0: Today, we are starting a brand new series called More, and what I really do believe about this series is that it has potential to really be life-changing for us. It has the potential, I believe, to be one of those things that if we can begin to put some of this stuff into application, like let it become our real life, it has the ability to create ripple effects, I believe, can not just help you, but help future generations of your family. And so I want us to lean in. I want us to dig in. But at the same time, I do realize about this series, as we get ready to talk about some faith and some finances, this is one of those series that's easy to kind of shake off and go, nah, I don't need that. Like, I don't need some pastor telling me how to handle my money. And see, I knew that's what they're saying. If you're here are your your, your first time, and you're like, this is your first time coming back to church in a while, and you're like, man, see, I knew all church talk about money. Like, you just picked the right day, okay? (laughs) Just hold off. Um, This is kind of every February we kind of lean into this stuff because we believe that God's Word talks about it, so we should too. And so we're going to dive into this, but I know this is one of those series that's going to be easy to shake off. Now, whether you're coming in and you're like under 20 or you're in your 20s or you're like 120, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum, I believe there are things we're going to talk about that can impact our lives and make a big difference. And so my encouragement to you is to lean in. This week, and the weeks to come, we're going to be getting as practical as we have in a while. You know, we just got through talking about heaven, and those are some amazing things, some truths to lean into. Uh, but what we're going to be doing throughout the course of this series, and we're excited because the staff has been kind of working on these together with me, like some challenges and things to say, hey, like we're going to walk out of here, and we're going to do this, and we're going to see things happen because we start to put this into practice. All right? So be here. We're going to go four weeks long. Today I want to start out with a big question. All right? question. Uh, For those of you watching online, you know, you type in your answers online there. For those of you here in person, you know, elbow somebody beside you and tell them. But here's a question. If you could, if you could go back in either the past or someone who's currently living, if you could trade lives with somebody else, who would that person be? Like if you could go live their lifestyle, like if you could walk in their shoes, experience all the things that they experienced, if it's somebody who's you know, obviously you know, dead, then you're experiencing their birth through you know, what they lived of their life, somebody that's still alive, maybe their birth through kind of where they're at right now. If you could go and trade life experiences, see everything they saw, do what they did, have what they have, who would that person be? Maybe it's Michael Jordan. You want to go win those championships. Maybe for you, it's, it's Tom Brady, and you're like, man, I want to be in another Super Bowl today. By the way, go Chiefs. <laughs> we're, all, we're all in Atlanta here, if you're watching online, and we all have this uh, wound, deep, deep wound in our heart uh, caused by Tom Brady. But the Lord is healing all things. Maybe it's someone like Mother Teresa, and you just would just sort of love to be able to see the things that she experienced. Maybe, maybe it's some queen from the past, and you would just love to live in royalty and experience all those things. Maybe it's a, a, a civil rights hero like a Martin Luther King, or Leonardo da Vinci. He's not a civil rights hero, but you know, an amazing person who, who led to big changes in society. Who would that one person be if you could go live their life? And, and again, I know there are young people in the room and you know, there are old people in the room too. And, and it's okay because you know, we've all thought this. Maybe it's that Instagram influencer that you see and you're like, man, I'd like, just love to like, have a pet tiger. like That'd be so cool. I don't know. Whoever it is. You got that person online? Okay, good. All right. Hold on to that. We're going to circle back. But I want to give you now, because, we're, again, we're in a series talking about faith and finances, I want to walk you through some financial advice from one of the world's greatest financial gurus, someone who has helped millions of people become financially healthy and financially free, and someone who is arguably the richest person to ever live. I want to give you some of their financial advice. Lean in and listen to what they had to say, which I believe they would say to you if they were sitting across the table from you. They said this, take care and be on your guard against all greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. They also said this, Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy or where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, not where thieves can break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And trying to get really practical, they gave us this advice, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide for yourselves money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. And about, you know, kind of our motivation, they said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then they would ask a question that hopefully can lead us to some direction. For what does it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world, but forfeit his soul? And very practically, and this one's you know, probably one of the harder ones give to the one who asks you and don't turn away anyone who wants to borrow from you. And if you would want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And this, probably the hardest one of all financial advice that's not easy to follow, but a reality nonetheless. They said this truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. Friends, do you know who this financial guru is who said these things? It's Jesus. Now, I know oftentimes we don't look at him like that, but I'd love to hear your argument for how he did not live the richest life ever. I'd love to hear your argument about how he didn't know what he was talking about and how his advice on what we should do with our money— should be the one we don't follow. It'd be hard to make that argument. And so I start with Jesus, and where Jesus is at on faith and finances, because that is our true north, guys. See, oftentimes, man, for us as Christians, we can think that I'm supposed to do with my money what I see other Christians doing with my money, or with their money. They don't. Some of them have all my money. But guys, that's not what we do. We don't go, oh, how are the Christians around me using their money, and that's how I should do it. That's what we do a lot of times. The real thing that we have to be after, though, is going, how did Jesus talk about this? What, what did Jesus say about finances? What did Jesus say about money? And, and he said some pretty uh, controversial things that are very counter to even the way we see Christians using money in our society. And so when we come to stuff like this, I want you to understand that Last week, we wrapped up a sermon on heaven and the afterlife and what that's going to look like. Heaven and hell and and everything in between. We talked about last week. And I want you to know that on purpose, I'm going from talking about eternity and the afterlife directly into money. Because, friends, there is this thing called greed this desire for more, especially more money. And I'm willing to bet, and I'll argue with anybody up and down, that there is nothing that keeps more people out of heaven than the lust for more money, more stuff, more whatever, especially here in our society. So I start there because, man, we got to lean into this. we got to talk about these things. Let's go back to the question we asked. Who is that person that you would go back and trade lives with? Now, whatever person that is that you picked... If it wasn't Jesus, their life is likely defined by the stuff they have. The house that they live in. Even if it was someone like a George Washington. Like, man, I'd love to, you know, be a president and have that power and have those things. If it's, you know, that billionaire or the Michael Jordans or the Oprah Winifrey's or whoever it may be. Like, I want that life and I want those things. And a lot of those people, when we think about, man, if I could go trade lives with anybody... It's usually somebody who had a lot of stuff, a lot of money, a lot of power. But I make an argument that if we could go experience anybody else's life, and it be the best one, I would make an argument, and again, severe Jesus juke here, I'd make an argument that that would be Jesus. I mean, who else could you go live and walk in their sandals and experience 5,000 people being fed, fed off, off loaves and fishes. How, how many people who could, you, could you go experience like a dead person rising up from the grave? How many other people could you experience blind people being healed and being able to see those things? See, Jesus, today we're going to be talking about less is more. And Jesus is the one who invented this less is more lifestyle. Now, you may not have realized this about Jesus yet, but Jesus has a lot less, or had a lot less when he walked on earth than you do. Had less kids than you do. He had less spouses than you do. He had less money than you do. He had less debt. He had less worries. He had less homes. He had less technology, less cars. And if you're under 33, except for you, if you're over 33, he had less time on earth than you did. Yet, Jesus is the one who lived the most influential, game-changing life. I believe the richest, most fulfilling, even the time that he spent on earth, I believe was rich and fulfilling. And the things that he saw, the things that he talked about, the, the places and the things that he witnessed, even the cross itself, I believe if we could go live that life, and we lived everybody else's life from all of existence, and we also lived the life that Jesus did, we would still say, unequivocally, it doesn't even matter, it doesn't even matter, that was the life that was best even though it was 33 years, long, long time ago before indoor plumbing and air conditioning, you would still say, his life, that's the life I want to live again and again and again if I could. So as we lean into this topic, we're going to be talking today about less is more. Turn to your neighbor or whoever's online with you and just tell them, less is more. Go. (laughs) Hopefully you didn't say that like, Less is more, like you put on too much makeup or you're wearing too much cologne. Like You're just like, less is more. Like We're just telling the point of today's talk. So let me give you an idea of where we're going so you can make sure to be here. We're talking this week about less is more. The next week, we're going to be talking about no more stress. From there, we're talking about more to give and then more for tomorrow. I pray you lean in today. I want to give you our less is more text for the day, where we're going to start. Hopefully, you can memorize this by the time that you're out of here. It is out of Ecclesiastes 4.6. Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Big, big verse for us today. This is what it says. Better one handful with tranquility, which is peace, calm. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So better one handful. It's better to have one handful than have two handfuls and be chasing the wind. Be anxious. Be stressed out. Be worried about how ends are going to meet. Be worried about living paycheck to paycheck. He says, better to have one handful and be at peace than have two handfuls and have anxiety. And guys, we live in a two-handful society. We live in a take-all-you-can-get society. We live. Grab as much as you can. And, and there's no wonder that counselors and pastors and, and people that I'm talking to, there's kind of this collective moan from the people that we're, we're hearing who are, who are just burned out and depressed and filled with anxiety. And one of the things that you continue to hear them say, I've heard it in my counseling sessions and, and, and other ones are hearing it as well, people saying, I can't handle this. And it's not just church folks. So many people, I can't handle this. What if... The reason we can't handle whatever this is is because we have two handfuls grasping all that life has, and we were never meant to live two handfuls, closed, grasped on whatever it is. I think the person who wrote this was onto something, and I think there's some things that we can learn. So what we're going to talk about today is talking about living a less is more life. Living a less is more life. So I want to ask you the question Tim asked it a little bit earlier, but I want to get you back there. What really matters? What really matters to you? What is the thing that's most important? You know, outside your relationship with Jesus, what really matters? See, there's very few people in this room right now that are thinking shiplap, a redone living room, or marble countertops, or a new truck. We're thinking about conversations with aging grandparents. We're thinking about being in the NICU, praying for a baby to make it. We're thinking about weddings. We're thinking about those things. Those are the things that matter. We're thinking about dinners around the table. We're thinking about jokes with good friends. Those are the things that really matter. So if we're going to live less is more lives, we've got to understand that we're going to have to cut some stuff away. And that's the first point today. If we're going to live less is more lives, we're going to have to cut back. When I talk about cut back, I'm talking about cutting back from consumption. Cutting back from the things that we think we need. Anybody who's been on a foreign mission trip will tell you that they go to these places where people are dirtful or poor, and they seem the most happy, the most joy-filled people ever. And they're consuming less than we are here in our country. But our joy and happiness, matched up to their joy and happiness, they're not even on the same scale. So I want to talk about consumption. I anchor that in Luke twelve fifteen. Jesus was talking, and he said this: Watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, because life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, if you're reading that verse, after watch out, you see an exclamation point, right? Now, again, I, maybe I, my imagination is, is a little much. But I, I like to imagine Jesus as this is happening. Now, what's going on here is there's these two brothers. And someone in their family has died, likely a father. And they're arguing about who gets what in the inheritance. Now, I know all of us are super safe Christians, and nobody here in their family would ever have any sort of argument about the inheritance. I know like, we're way past that. That was a long time ago, and that happens to nobody anymore. But if it did... Jesus comes on the scene, and these two brothers, one shows up and says, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance better with me. And Jesus, like, I feel like he's kind of walking, he's kind of calm, hair's flowing. And he goes, watch out! And I believe he, like, startles them on purpose because he's trying to help them understand that that's how greed works. Greed isn't something you see coming. I believe he told them to watch out for greed for two main reasons. One, greed is something that's really easy to see out there on other folks, but it's really hard to spot in the mirror. Like, we can see somebody driving a truck, you know, coming through the neighborhood, and it's, like, got the brand-new nice wheels on it, and for some reason it's got a snorkel on it. Like, we're not living in swamps. Like, why do you have a snorkel on your truck, man? And we see that, and we're like, man, that's just—they're just being greedy. Like, they don't—you don't need that. That's not necessary. Or you go to some woman's house, and it's just, like, wall-to-wall Joanna Gaines. Like, is this the farmhouse? Like, are you sponsored by Target? And you're like, this is just too much. You're just, you're just greedy. And we never see it on ourselves. It's a really easy to spot on somebody else. And so he's saying, watch out. It's gonna be easier to see it out there than it is to see it in here. Another reason he said it is because greed is not like different other sins. Now, greed again, maybe bust your bubble. Greed is a sin. You know, welcome to church. Greed is a sin, but it's different than other sins. Jesus didn't have to tell people to watch out for some other sins. Like He didn't say, watch out that you don't commit adultery because no dude is going, oh, man, I didn't mean to make out with you. You're not my wife. Like, that's not happening. But greed is different. Greed will sneak up on you. Greed will catch you off guard, and you won't even know you're there. You won't even know what is taken from you. That's how greed works. So he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kind of greed. Now, listen to this truth right here at the end of it. He says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. He said, life is not about what you have. Man, that's a good place for an amen. Now, when it comes to consumption and and like wanting more stuff, like we all like, uh, man, our society tells us more, 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 get more, get more, get more. Like it pushes us to live these two handful lives. And so don't, Misunderstand what I'm saying here. When I say just cut back on what you feel like you need. Like, I'm not just saying like, say, you know what? You know, I usually spend about $400 you know, a year on clothes. This year I'm going to spend 200 and just call it a day. And I'll say I listen to the pastor. Like, that's not what I'm after here. There's a deeper thing. And if that's the game you play, I, I still think you're going to lose. I want to hopefully help you see the connection here. Because this is the why we consume what we consume. See, consumption starts, if we want to cut it back, consumpt- cutting back consumption starts with cutting back temptation. What places are you most tempted to buy things you don't need? What people are you around when you buy things that you don't need? I'm not telling you to, like, stop being friends with them, but I'm saying you've got to recognize those things, that when I go hang out with them, I spend more money than I'm supposed to, that when I go on this site, when I'm a part of this Facebook group, when I go to this store, I spend too much money. Now, I'm going to tell you something you already know, but forgive me. All social media, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever new one there is out there, all of those things, they're not created for you to create loving, bondful connections with other people. Maybe they were originally. I still don't think they were. Friend, they're created to monetize your existence. They're created to get money out of you. You go there because you get a little bit of a dopamine hit when a red little thing shows up and you get a little notification or heart or whatever, and that's what keeps us going back there. But all those things that are there are to sell you what you want to sell. I mean, that's why, we, you know, we're like, man, I could use extra pair of underwear. Those underwear look nice. Like, and then boom, like, and seriously, today when I go home because I'm saying these things, now my phone's like over there. But still, like on my news feed somewhere, it's going to be like men's underwear. Um, because it can just, it just knows. And so, look, maybe you've never made this connection. But the amount of time that you spend on social media, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, whatever, there's a direct correlation between your overspending and those two things. Maybe you've never made those two points before. And again, I told you we're going to get really practical today. And so when we want to talk about cutting back what we consume, we've got to cut back the places where we're tempted to do them. That's kind of the basis of where we start in this less is more life. The next thing, if we want to live a less is more life, we've got to start clearing out. Now, this is, you know, if, if when we talk about consumption, we're talking about cutting back what we think we need. When I talk about clearing out, I'm talking about getting rid of some of the stuff that you already have. And the reason I'm asking you to maybe get rid of some of the stuff you already have is maybe because you don't realize how much of that stuff has you. What if, friend, there's a connection between a cluttered and disorganized home and a cluttered heart? What if the, the mess that that is And the overabundance of stuff that's out there has to do with what you feel in here. Where it feels like you can't think a thought for more than 15 seconds before it's like pinging back between 17 different things. See, when I talk about clearing out, I'm leaning into what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, don't store up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and vermin destroy." saying, like, all the stuff that you could put in your house, all the stuff that you could put in your car, all the stuff that you could put in your basement, in your garage, and all that other type of stuff, that's a place where moths and vermin can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. Instead, he says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin, vermin cannot destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal. And so... What he's after here is living lives that aren't about consuming and building up stuff here. Now, I know this is hard, especially when we start talking about cutting back stuff in our homes. Because some of us, and you grew up like I did, and you grew up poor, and whether you realize this subconsciously or not, the stuff that you have and you've accumulated actually, in your mind, reiterates something that you're proud of, that you made it. That your standard of living is not like what you grew up in. And there's a sense of pride in that. And so you don't want to let go of those things because like there is value in me making it and not being paycheck to paycheck and being able to provide these toys for my kids and provide these things for my family and put these things on the table. And so it's hard to let go of those things because there's that connection there. And for others, you you can find a sentimental connection between a Snickers wrapper. And, like, it's just hard to let go of stuff. Oh, that, that's a Snickers. That's the last Snickers wrapper that Granny ate before she passed. And it's still at your house. And, and, and we, we get that way sometimes. But what, what I'm calling us to is to be the type of people who, when we get something, we give something away. We get a new shirt, we give a new shirt away. We get a new pair of pants, we give it away. We get a new truck, we give the other one away. We get a new pair of underwear, we don't, no, don't do that. Um, <laughs> throw it away. Um, to be that type of people. And, and here's how I'm going to invite you to give some stuff away. We're, and again, I told you we're going to be super practical in this. And I, and I believe that this is just all of the gospel wrapped up into this. I'm inviting us into a less is more challenge. It's going to happen in your homes. Here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to go to your house and get a bag, get a backpack, get a dump truck, and find a hundred things at your house that you're saying, I am cutting these things out of my life. I am clearing them out of this home. Now, again, we're talking about less is more, right? So how are we going to move from the less stuff in your house into more? Enter the Jesus shed. Those of you um, may have never heard about this thing called the Jesus shed, but the Jesus shed is this yard sale Well, where people, you know, like church people, and it was birthed out of MCC, where, where people from MCC, are giving of their stuff and there there's this creating this yard sale and as people are kind of getting rid of stuff that's in their home they're giving it to this yard sale and, and money is being raised that's going not to you know pad the pockets of you know middle-aged women so they can go buy more trinkets it's going to go out into the mission field and through this there's been over fifty nine thousand dollars in the last just few years raised and given out to local missions. Here's one of my favorite things about this whole thing. They raised $40,000 at the Jesus Shed by selling the stuff that you would just say like, "Ah, I don't don't really need this anymore. They raised $40,000 to provide an ultrasound machine to our missionary partners in India. And so how is less is more? Yeah, that's awesome. So so how is less is more? Uh, Less home clutter equals more healthy pregnancies in a third world country. Less stuff going on at your house actually turns into even more than that too, because they don't just like make their money and just be transactional at the Jesus shed and then just say, okay, thanks for spending this. And they, you know, the, yeah, everybody's been to a yard sale and you're like, all right, I'm get my bargaining mode. Like, I'm about to like, have to talk down this grandma to like sell me this table saw. Like, they're not at that way. Like, they look at it as every encounter that they have with someone who is buying something as an opportunity to show Jesus to them. So there's Bibles that they give out there. They're praying with people there. Uh, There's there's a a, a father who showed in here, and uh, he had like, it seemed like he had seven kids. I think he had four or five. Um, But a single dad who... Was connected through the Jesus shed, showed up and, and came to church here. And his kids were able to experience children's ministry. And they're not in, you know, they're in, they're in a tough situation. One of the kids has leukemia and they're in a really hard spot. But through the Jesus shed, they were connected to a church like MCC. I loved watching them leave the time that they had her. Like, it was a day where we had like four different groups having meals. And so they walked out with like donuts and ice cream and cupcake. And the boys were like seriously in heaven. And, and that family's still connected. Like, he's probably online watching this right now. And those things happen at that place. And so what I'm encouraging you to do, I'm challenging you, church, to do this. Let's gather together. Let's make it happen. Now, some of you, you're like, I could totally go to my closet and get 100 pairs of shoes out of there. No problem. Some of you, it's not 100 pairs of shoes or jewelry or whatever, or knickknacks. Some of you, it's a boat. Like, you got a boat that you don't use. And you're like, I don't need a boat. I don't need a trailer. I don't, I don't need this. I, I, some, some of you, it may not be a hundred little things. It may be one big thing. Do you go, it's cool that I have this, but I don't need this. And So here's practically how we'll get this stuff to the Jesus shed. Over the course of this week, Monday through Thursday, I would invite you to gather your stuff. Now, if you have kids at home, by goodness, please involve them in this so that they can see. We are not about what we have. We take what we have, and we live less is more as a lifestyle. Gather your stuff. Bring it here to church. Uh, the office building over there, we're essentially turning our conference room into a storage container. Um, if you have something gigantic like a big armoire or something like that or a boat, um, like, don't bring that here. Uh, just call us and let us know. Like, use common sense. Um, but we want to be a blessing. And, and listen, I know people are watching this like, from all online, like, and you're, you're out there on the online interwebs. You can still do this as well. Uh, Like a vast majority of the Jesus said, man, that's a hard word to say. We should think of a different name. Um, Jesus shed, gosh, a majority of their income actually comes through Facebook marketplace. And so like you can be in Venezuela or Virginia or wherever if you're watching this online and you can still participate in this without driving your bag of clothes down here to my office. So let's get in with it, church. Can we do this? I'm after a hundred families. Like, that's my goal. Like, if if we get at least a hundred bags, a hundred families that are giving away a hundred different things, I I think we'll have crushed it. And I cannot wait to see how this ripples into eternity and and how lives are changed because of this, because of us saying we're going to be biblical people, we're going to live less is more lifestyles, and we are going to clear out. The last thing that I call us to do is to pay off. If we want to live less is more lifestyles, We have to pay off. All those things that we bought, all those things that we have right now, for many of us, that's caused us to be in debt. Now, the unfortunate thing about debt is I have not met one single person who's just like, I just talked to him, bro, let me tell you something about my 4.9 APR rate. Like, it is so awesome. And look, I I paid off one credit card, and guess what? They gave me a bigger limit. They put me up to like 21,000, and I can't wait to max that thing out too. Like, people don't talk about debt like that nobody's excited about it. We're going to dive into debt a little bit in this series. But we got to live lives where we go, I'm going to intentionally pay this off so that I can have less of that debt so that I can live a more generous life, so that I can have not two handfuls of debt, but I can maybe have one handful and still be able to serve and care for the others. And for us, this may mean, like, really practically speaking, that we start looking at things that we can get rid of you know, for us, man, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the little recurring things that we have where it's like, hey, do I really need like 17 subscriptions to different TV things? Like I got a Hulu and I got a Zoomu and I got a Netflix and I got a HBO Prime and I know I'm in your kitchen right now. But I'm sorry, I told you we we're going to be really practical in this. Or maybe like you just get your nails done like every day. And like, again, ladies, I love you, but no group of guys that I've ever been around sees a woman walk by and goes, bro, whew did you see the nails on that one? <laughs> they had the white things on the tip. Like, yeah, the tip, man, woo! Get her number. Nobody. Not once. And I know, I mean, again, I'm meddling. And listen, I know, fellas, we're, we're way dumber. Like, we, we don't get our nails done, but we, again, we're the ones who brought the boat home, okay? Like, we do the bigger, dumber things. And what I'm encouraging us to do in, in regards to debt, to live a less is more lifestyle, it's to lean into the words that the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, said in 1 Peter 1:18 and 19. If you got a Bible, let's look at it together. He says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways you inherited from your forefathers. Let's pause right there, okay? So let me give you an idea of what he's talking about there. He's saying, you got to understand that you have now been ransomed. Now, In order for something to be ransomed, that means that that something had to have been taken captive. And friends, all of us have been taken captive. Like our sin nature has taken us captive. Now a ransom, you have to pay money to get that back. Like if somebody goes and steals my two boys, one, good luck, God be with you. uh, But they're going to demand a ransom for those two children. That I will have to pay back fiscally. Now what he's saying here is you have been ransomed from Futile ways you inherited from your forefathers. Now let me unpack what he's saying there. He's saying, Your daddy and his daddy and his daddy and his daddy and his daddy, they gave you something that's not good. And it's got you. And indifferent different than saying like how you could inherit, like your dad died, you can inherit like a Ford pickup truck. Like you can either choose to accept that or reject that. This is a different kind of inheritance. He's saying what you have inherited is like how I have inherited my dad's nose. Like you've inherited your mom's feet or her, her curly hair. You didn't get to choose whether or not you got this. And guys, that's our sin nature. You inherit it, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. It's yours. What he's saying here is Jesus has ransomed you from that. He has paid the price. Now, keep going. Now, we got that. Let's see how he did it. He ransomed you from the futile ways you inherited from your forefathers. So our sin nature. Not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. So that was the payment. That was what was paid to set you free. Free from an old way of living a life that found its worth and how much what you had is worth. Free from a life where your self-worth was determined by whether or not some guy thought you were attractive. Free from a life where what title you had on your door or your desk is where you got your worth from. Let me ask you a question. How do you know how much something is worth? I can tell how much something is worth by how much someone is willing to pay for it. That's kind of the easiest way. Like I can tell that that's worth that amount of money based off how much somebody is willing to pay for it. And friend, when you look at the price that was paid for you, it was Jesus. Not just a couple drops. Jesus didn't tithe his blood on the cross. He didn't just give a little bit. He gave his whole entire life. That was the price tag to set you free. So so never let somebody come to you or even yourself come to you and get you to doubt your self-worth. To say, well, because you don't you know, hit this number on a scale or you don't have this IQ or you didn't get into this college you don't have this, or you have this too much debt or you've declared bankruptcy or all these other things, your worth is not as much. Listen, if Jesus gave his life for you, that's how much you're worth. Stop doubting it and stop trying to determine your self-worth off of how much what you have is worth. And understand, I have Jesus. And if I have Jesus, then I can clear out, I can cut back, and I can pay off because now... I have all I actually need. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he, he made this really clear. He, he said in 419, the book of Philippians, and my God will meet your, all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's saying, the thing that will meet your needs, and I, I know this, take this with a grain of salt, the thing that will meet your needs is not necessarily your hard work. The thing that will meet your needs is not playing the stock market right or investing in the right things, or taking the right job. The things that will meet the thing, truly a person, that will meet your needs is Jesus. He says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I'd argue all day long, friends, that the richest people in this life are not those who have the most, but those who need the least my prayer is that once you realize you have Jesus, you don't need a whole lot else. And so, to land back on our verse that we started with, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls in toil and chasing after the wind. Maybe we say it this way. Better one handful in a relationship with your kids than two handfuls and kids that when they graduate, they don't want to have anything else to do with you. Better one handful and some good friends, than two handfuls and no time to spend with anybody else to engage in any sort of conversation, to have any sort of deep relationship. Better one handful and a good marriage, than two handfuls and divorce papers on the table. Better one handful in the ability to make an impact and have the time to serve and to care for other people, then two handfuls. And all I want to do when I get home from work is go to bed. Maybe it's, it's one handful in the ability to praise God in the midst of whatever it may be that I'm going through because I know that in Christ I have all that I need. My prayer for us, church, is that we live one handful of lives and we leave the other hand and everything else to praise God and to live lives that glorify Him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that both of your hands were forced open by Roman soldiers, pierced and nailed to a cross to show us how much we were worth. I praise you, God, for the fact that you have paid our debt, every single one of us, Now, some of us, God, in this room, we have not chosen to accept that fact that you have paid our debt. And though the ransom has been paid for our life, we're still walking around with chains on. And we're saying, no, I like it here in the jail cell. I like it here trying to make it my way. I like this captivity. But, Jesus, I pray that for my friends who have tried to seek satisfaction, pleasure, esteem, um, their own worth from the things of this world, God, that you would wake them up to the grace that is only available through your son, Jesus that they would accept him today. They would turn away from everything that that they've tried to make satisfy them. God, they are not a body that just happens to have a soul. Show them, God, that they are a spiritual being and only something spiritual as in the grace of Jesus can truly satisfy them. And I pray they come into that today. I pray they receive you into their heart. I pray they take the steps into baptism because you have given your life so that we can have new life in you. As we sing today, Jesus, let your love, your grace, and your supplication, how you've provided for us, reign in our hearts. And let gratitude fill our lungs as we sing to you. In your name, amen.